Welcome to the Elevate Your Life podcast with Evelyn Kelly. I'm your host, Evie, life and business coach, and I'm here to support you to create unstoppable self-belief and confidence so that you can create the abundant life and profitable business you truly love and deserve. Join me for soulful yet straight-talking chats with epic humans, juicy DMs with me, and loads of inspiration so that you can be the best version of yourself and share your authentic magic with the world. Are you with me? Here we go. Hi, hi, hi. Hello, gorgeous one. Welcome back to the Elevate Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Evie, life and business coach. And I'm so excited to be back here with you all and for this really special episode. I am joined by the gorgeous Ellie Swift. So Ellie is a business coach and mastermind mentor for high-performing women who are ready to build soul-led, intentional, and profitable online businesses. Using her signature Swift marketing method, Ellie helps coach creatives and consultants connect with their customers, shine online, and create life-changing results for both themselves and their clients across her mastermind programs. She also teaches how to create scalable and valuable masterminds through her program, The Mastermind Model. Ellie spent a decade working in marketing in London, Sydney, and Perth, achieving her goal of head of marketing strategy by the age of 28 before making the transition into her business. She has built a seven figure business in five years and has supported her clients as they've built six multi six and seven figure businesses, created six and multi five figure launches, tripled their income and completely transformed their businesses and lives using mindset, marketing and strategy. Ellie's mission is to support soul-led women to experience the lives they dream of through entrepreneurship. She has been featured in various print and digital publications, including Success Magazine, Medium, Mamma Mia, Thrive Global, Smart Company, and The West Australian. So I am so excited to welcome Ellie on and for you to listen to this divine conversation. We actually recorded this quite a wee while ago and it is finally time to share this with you all today. So I ask Ellie so many questions that I really wanted answered selfishly, but I know that you're going to love these too. So we're talking all about her creating a soul-led business that's now a million dollar business. We talk about some of the mistakes that she's seen uh, along the way and how to therefore avoid them when growing online soul-led businesses. We talk about blending feminine and masculine energies, about leading with service, about money mindset and how, um, you know, how she reached her uh, this incredible goal of seven figures in her business, but actually, was that really what she started out with or not? I'll leave Ellie to share that with you all in a moment. And also things like what she attributes her success to. It's such a juicy conversation. I loved this so much. I know you're going to adore Ellie just as much as I do and find this so insightful and inspiring. So without further ado, here is the one and only Ellie Swift. Welcome, gorgeous Ellie, to the podcast. It's so good to have you here. 
Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. So exciting. This is such an honor. It's it's just a real privilege to have you on the show today. And I know that, you know, so you're someone who I really admire and look up to and so many in this industry. So it feels yeah really special to be able to, to have this conversation, to pick your brain, so to speak. And um, I'm sure there's going to be so much wisdom that comes with this combo. Oh, thank you. Of course. I mean, you're you're one of my you're one of my inner circle fam always. So it's um yeah, it's such a privilege to be here. So good. Oh, so good. Um and Ellie and I've just recorded an episode for her show. So I feel like we're just like riffing on all things business and like a high on life right now. <laughs> so we're we're very, we're very warmed up at this point, which yeah. is great, which is per- which is the best type of podcast to start listening to, right? When it's warm and it's absolutely we're like fired up, ready to go. (laughs) Love it. So why don't you kick us off with a dose of inspiration and would love to hear your favorite quote and why? So my favorite quote is the Maya Angelou quote of at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you said or what you did or people will remember is how you made them feel. And Mm. I remember hearing this quote when I was a teenager and I'd, I'd, I think I was at a point in my life I, I identify as being, you know, um, someone who's quite empathic and highly sensitive. And I remember being in a season of my life where I was just starting to recognize the power of my presence. And it's something that has really carried me through my business journey because as somebody who's always identified as being, you know, somewhat high-performing and really cared about how I show up for my people and always wanting to learn more and do more and be better. What ultimately it brings me back to is that presence with my clients is the most important thing and really seeing them in their power and their potential. And what I know most of all is that, you know, when clients leave sessions with me, and I mean, you you could speak to this Evie is that really they're just going to remember how they feel. They're going to remember whether they feel inspired or lit up or excited or motivated. And that's my core job over and above everything else. And so it's something that I reference a lot and really try and live my life by. Beautiful. I love that quote so much and absolutely feel that from you and also have embodied that in my business too. I think it's such a game changer for sure. Yeah. Um, beautiful, beautiful intro. So tell us a little bit about you and how you came in to do this work for the listeners who perhaps don't know you so well. Yes. So I worked in marketing for 10 years before I started my coaching business. So I have led my, my story today was quite linear. I, you know, was like a student at school, went to uni, was a a good girl. And I'm saying that in air quotes, um, in terms of being somebody who knew what I wanted to do and very much set the path to make it happen. I've always been really independent. So I moved to London on my own when I was 21, which was quite a defining moment for me as somebody who you know, came from a very loved family and always had beautiful community around me. I just had this real thirst and desire to see and experience more. Mm-hmm. And so I studied uh, communications at uni, went and lived in London when I was 21 for a couple of years. I literally door knocked to get my first job. This like crazy little Australian who had zero experience 
going to one of the biggest cities in the world in the middle of the GFC trying to get a job when most people couldn't get work. And I got it. And it was through so much tenacity and, um, and relationships and all these things that I preach. Um, and then went and worked in marketing for 10 years. I, I worked in London, then I worked in Sydney and I came back to WA, Western Australia. Um, and I, very much thought that I was living out my path in doing that. You know, marketing was something that I loved so much. I loved the work that I was doing. I had, I've had the most insane experiences in my career. Like I worked in travel PR and I got to do a $40,000 Galapagos Islands trip and I've sipped champagne with celebrities in the UK and I've done all these amazing things. And I came back to Perth at 27 And I got my ultimate job, which was head of marketing strategy. So I had an incredible team. I felt like I'd really made it. I was with my now husband. We were back at home, had this beautiful family and friends and uh, it's everything I'd always pictured. And I felt nothing. In fact, I felt worse than nothing. I felt deflated. I felt bored. I felt unfilled. And that's not how you want to feel when you get everything that you thought you've always wanted. So I really had to take a look at myself and uncover why it was that I felt that way. And what I unearthed quite quickly was this feeling of unfulfillment and like I wasn't making a difference in the world. You know, the work that I was doing with my corporate clients um, was it was very one-dimensional. It was very formulaic and transactional. And I didn't hit my head to the pillow at night feeling like I'd made any kind of difference. Mm. It was around that time. Well, a few years prior, I'd been watching people online, living out these amazing lives, like the power of social media. Social media really changed my view of what was possible for me coming from the most isolated city in the world. And I'd been seeing these people online doing this amazing, amazing work. And it all kind of led back to them being some form of coach. And I felt this strong, strong pull of, I want to do that. Like I, that looks like something that I could really do. And all roads led back to the beautiful you life coaching Academy, which I know you and I both trained with and is our connection point as well. And so I, at the time we were going through a recession in Western Australia and I said to my husband, I'm going to do this extra contract work and um, I'm going to quote up this extra contract work and no word of a lie. I quoted up this, this work and the dollar value that I came to was the exact amount that the Beautiful You Life Coaching Academy course cost. Wow. I didn't fudge the numbers like it was exact. And I said to my now husband, I need to do this course. He was like, well, if the proof is right there, you do. So I studied, I started life coaching on the side thinking that that would be the thing um, that would fulfill me. And it absolutely did for a short period of time, but it exploded and it was all that I could think about. And the clients started coming and they also started coming with like, Hey, this life coaching is great, but also you've worked in marketing with you know, new entrepreneurs through to massive multinationals for the last 10 years. Like we want to talk to you about business. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously there was somewhat of a conflict of interest there. So I transitioned out of the corporate world. I had part-time work as a social media manager consulting um, for the beautiful you coaching Academy, actually, while I started building my 
business. Um, and over the last five years, it's gone from being something that started out as a one-to-one model, six-figure business, um, through to generating our first seven figures in the last uh, 12-ish months um, in a year. So, you know, we've, we've done multi, uh, multi-millions at this point, which is amazing to be able to say. Um, and it's just grown quite literally beyond my wildest dreams. Yeah. Wow. Oh, so gorgeous to hear your story and, and all the back the backstory to it all. It's amazing. I think um you're so right. I think a lot of us come into into our own businesses or into perhaps the coaching world, but not necessarily because we have that lack of fulfillment in our other jobs or the goal that we used to have just doesn't excite us or feel really fulfilling anymore, even when we get there, which can, I know what you mean. It can feel really deflating and really like, but I thought I wanted this and it doesn't feel good. So, so confusing right at the time, but so beautiful that you had an inkling to keep exploring about what that more was and freaking love that you door knocked in London and got yourself a job. That doesn't surprise me knowing you though, Ellie. (laughs) I was very tenacious. And I was also learning how to wear high heels for the first time on (laughs) cobbled streets. So you can picture it, right? It was me tottering in high heels on cobbled streets, like nearly breaking my ankle, catching trains, having no idea what I was doing. It's hilarious when I think back about it. It was raining. It was like November at the time. I love it. I love it. But that shows so much about your personality and about who you are as a human. (laughs) Not so much the the high heels and the cobbled street, but just like you said, like that's a big leap to go, uh, yeah, to the other side of the world at 21 to door knock to like, that's, that's amazing. That's really cool. I love that about you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Anyone that knows me well, which you do, it's like, none of that's surprising. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it. And so Yeah. On to seven figures now. That's amazing. It's so incredible to see and to have witnessed part of that journey as well. And I think you've grown such a beautiful, solid business over a relatively short space of time. And I think that, you know, you've also supported so many other beautiful humans to do similar. And yeah, I would love to just really pick your brains and talk about some of the misconceptions around scaling to six, multi-six, seven figures, uh, and especially in solid uh, businesses or solopreneurs, would love to kind of speak, yeah, to speak to that and pick your brains around it. And I'm sure there's so many lessons that you've learned along the way. So can you maybe start us off with what have been some of the, you know, the biggest mistakes or the, the things that trip people up a lot in the earlier stages of business? And therefore, what would your advice be to avoid those things? So as you know, Evie, the framework that I teach is something called the Swift Marketing Method. So essentially what I what I learned early on in my business journey was that when I worked with my clients around mindset, strategy, and marketing, if they nailed those three things, then they were able to create the solid, profitable, sustainable business that they most wanted. So I'm going to give you one from each of those categories, a mindset, a strategy, and a marketing. So in terms of mindset, the the biggest thing that will trip people up is not treating their business like a business. And so, mm. as you know, I really refer to that as being in your CEO mindset. So even if that word CEO feels not congruent with the business you have. So if you're listening and you're starting out and maybe you're like, I'm not a CEO, I'm only working with one client or I don't have paid clients yet or whatever else. 
that mentality is going to keep you treating your business like a hobby. You really need to embody that CEO energy before you're ready, because when you do that, your business is going to expand with your vision. So when you think about yourself as a CEO, when you're in that seat and in that vision, things really flourish from that place because shit happens when you're a CEO and you decide it's going to happen. So, you know, we, we talk a lot about like metaphorically putting on our CEO hat, deciding who we need to be as the CEO of our business and making shit happen from that place. So that's the first thing that I would really recommend is stop treating your business like a hobby, decide you're all in. Evie just spoke about this on my podcast, like decide you're all in on your business and then, and then move from that place. The second uh, thing that I would recommend, which is more a strategy focus is to have one, (laughs) have a strategy. (laughs) Now that word strategy. So I know, obviously I came into my business with a marketing background. And and so that word, like I had strategist in my title before that, like I, I really identify as being a strategist. I love strategy so much, but for someone starting business, perhaps with no prior business experience, you might be like, what even is a strategy? Mm. And so when we're talking about strategy, basically what we're talking about is just having a roadmap of how you are going to make money in your business. So that might be as simple in the early stages of, I know that I'm going to tell stories. I'm going to speak to my ideal client about what they want. I'm going to show up on social media and I'm going to reach out and sell to people. And obviously that's like a really simplified version and getting a coach is really going to support you to do that. Side note, get a coach. But, (laughs) you know, the, the having a plan, a game plan, rather than just sitting, waiting, wishing, and kind of hoping that clients are going to come to you if maybe you post once a week on social media, like that's not going to happen. Mm. And so you've got to have a game plan. You've got to know what it is that you're doing and go after that and not allow yourself to be distracted by the noise of the online space where there are 20 million different types of tactics and strategies that you can do. Choose one, decide what it is for you, make it happen. And then when it comes to marketing, the biggest thing that I see is people not marketing and being visible and owning their work. So to, to create a thriving business, we need to get really good at selling ourselves, especially if we're building a personal brand business, which I know so many of your clients and people listening to this podcast will be. So building a personal brand business means doing things that are likely going to feel really uncomfortable in the first instance. And this was actually something that I struggled with because I was so used to marketing other businesses that I, for the first time had to market myself. And I was like, oh, this feels strange, you know, like being the person who's getting photos of yourself and being front and center in all your marketing, it could feel a little narcissistic, but Ultimately, when we're selling a service, which again, I know majority of your clients are are more service-based, when we're selling a service, we are the product. We need to sell ourselves. We need to back ourselves in terms of what we stand for. We need to put ourselves out there. We need to be thought leaders. And so commit to showing up even when it feels uncomfortable, commit to showing up even when it feels awkward and strange and all those things that it's absolutely going to feel in those early days, the commitment is in consistently showing up. And 
I, I look back at posts that I wrote like four years ago and I just cringe and want to die and want to delete all of them immediately. You know, they're, <laughs> they're horrible. Um, but I was doing the best at the time and that's actually the aim. And I said, you've probably heard me say this a million times. Like the aim is that you're creating content that you really hate in like six months time because you've grown so fast beyond it, beyond it. And if you don't feel that way, you likely didn't start soon enough. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I love that. Absolutely. So much goodness in all of that. I'm really pleased that you broke it down into those three categories. You're so right. And I think you touched on a really good point there around the strategy piece of, I think people avoid that or, or resist that rather, um, either not knowing what it is, like literally that it's just a plan, but also not wanting to kind of be too structured or rigid in their business. I think often so many of us, uh, you know, as solopreneurs, we want to do the creative fun stuff. We want to be like deeply aligned to our work. It want, you want, want it to feel really authentic and, and organic. And then when we say, oh, but you need to have a structure and like this real masculine strategy word, um, I think people kind of want to avoid that, especially if they've come from, maybe a more masculine previous job or in the corporate world, perhaps. Um, so yeah, I'm really glad that you brought that up and actually, I think leaning into that and realizing that it's literally just a plan um, that can be really supportive for people. Totally. I love that you raise this because actually the plan is the thing that allows for more creativity yes. and flexibility and freedom. And it, it's so the way that I always think about it is if you have no plan, you're constantly flying by the seat of your pants. You're going to feel really dysregulated. It's so much harder to be creative from, from that place. Whereas if you know what it is that you're doing, you've got a roadmap it's the confines that give you more ability to be creative. So for example, when I used to work in corporate, I used to do a lot of design briefs and I remember my creative team saying to me, you know, when you give us a really clear brief, we can serve you better. We can be way more creative in what it is that we deliver to you mm. because we know what it is that we're working with. And that's really the best example of thinking about this is that when you know what you're working with, your, your brain is able to be so creative. But if you're scattered and working with too many ideas, you're never going to come up with any. So yes. it's that plan that helps you to be more creative and actually you know, for, there's a lot of conversation in the online space around being, being able to be really in your feminine in business, having that masculine structure supports the feminine. So it's really going to help you to be able to flow and thrive. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. You're so right. And, um, we have to have the two energies. We have to have both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that's definitely been my experience as well, for sure. And also just having, you know, deciding one thing or one plan and going all in on that until it is successful, until you make traction, really. I mean, knowing that we can tweak and change it, sure, but ultimately not just throwing stuff at the wall and hoping that it sticks because that's a really one, a really messy, confusing business for you, but also for your, your customers and your clients, right? Definitely. And I think that you do this so beautifully where you are constantly showing up in that, you know, feminine energy that flows for you, but with the data to back it up. So practically speaking, you know, you and I might have a conversation where it's like, 
okay, I know that I want to, you know, call in X amount of clients this week. And this is what I know about what's converting through my email open rates and my social media posts. And also like, I'm feeling this, like, you know, you're combining that data and like the really practical information with like mindset and how you're feeling. And so I, I think you do that really beautifully. It's like, how can I fuse together both to help me build this business? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. The sweet spot for sure. So you mentioned that you have now created a seven figure business or multi seven figures on its way. I'm curious, was that always the goal? Was that always something that you had in mind? And, and if not, can you talk us through like the moment when you were like, oh, maybe I could actually have a million dollar business here or um, yeah, I'd love to hear the behind the scenes stuff around that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know <laughs> it's the short answer. Absolutely not. So I don't have any, I, I didn't grow up with examples of um, like wealthy, super wealthy people in my life. Um, I, and I share that because I think that it would be really useful for people. I really yeah. resisted sharing this for a really long time because I also think it's really important to acknowledge my privilege when I'm having these sorts of money conversations, you know, I'm, I'm white, middle-class, working middle-class Australian um, who, you know, very much grew up in a privileged society. I went to a private school. Um, but then on the flip side of that, my, my parents were not wealthy. You know, when I was a kid, my mom told stories about how she had a book of like 50 ways with mints as a strategy to feed the family because they were so poor and she knitted all my clothes because she couldn't afford to buy any for me. Um, because my dad was starting a business at that time that he went on to create amazing success in. Um, but you know, my, my childhood was witnessing my parents work really, really, really hard for Mm. their success in, in their business. And so I didn't have any examples, as I mentioned of, of creating abundance and, and wealth. And I definitely had a lot of money mindset stories. Um, and I remember thinking initially, if I can go on to match my corporate salary, which was, um, just over a hundred K, like that would be success for me. And so that was what I set out to do. And then I created that in the first full-time year in my business. And I created that figure and was like, okay, this is amazing. But also when you have a business, like that's not really the same as your corporate salary because you're outlaying a lot of expenses in your business. Mm-hmm. And so from there, I, I actually remember before I started my business that like 300K was like the goal for me. I, I remember thinking, okay, if I'm earning like 300K, then I'm able to have a really great salary and obviously easily pay for the necessary expenses in my business. Mm -hmm. And my second year of business, I think we did 380. Um, And I remember being like, okay, okay, this is insane. Like how is (laughs) Um, And then we went on to do, I think the next year we did like 500 or 600. And then um, we did like seven something the next year. And it was only then, so the start of last year or the end of the year prior that I realized actually, there's no reason this business couldn't be a million dollar business. So it's a really recent thing. It was like a year and a half ago that I was like, 
oh, I could actually have a million dollar business. That is wild. Um, and so I, I guess the purpose around sharing that other than like speaking to the truth of it is that I didn't have that big dream. And something that my husband always, always says to me is he's like, you need to talk more about how making money wasn't your goal because yeah. it wasn't. And I, I want to share in that exact same breath that it's not wrong if making money is your goal, because that's actually a really great thing to have. And I had to wade through a lot of money mindset stuff, but my primary objective, and I know this is the same for you, EB, and it's something that we're very values aligned on. My primary objective was service and yeah. making a difference and supporting people. And I know that that shows through in, in my work and, and how I show up. And then I, I had to kind of get to this point of being like, oh, but you're also allowed to make really great money here. Um, and so because of that, nothing changed in the way that I showed up when I started to talk more about money and when I started to realize that I could earn really great money. Um, it, it was just something where I, I suddenly realized that I absolutely could have both. I could be amazing at serving and I could also make really great money as well. So long-winded answer, but basically like a year, a year and a half ago was when I realized <laughs> I love it so good and gosh your journey has been fast like those big milestones were happening really 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 quickly for you in the early stages which is incredible and I think you know you've continued to build on that and grow right so I can imagine that like I'd also if you have anything to share had I'd be keen to hear like I can just imagine that there's like big mindset stuff and, and the money stuff, like you said, that comes up along the way as you move to the next, um, the next goal or the next up level, so to speak in your business. Do you have anything to share there? Mm, it was huge for me. I, I honestly think that from where I'm sitting right in this moment, they were, they were such big years and I was so in it mm. that the money was quite honestly a byproduct of yeah, what yeah. was being produced. And so I didn't necessarily have time to even think about it that much, which, which is nuts, but I kind of didn't have time to like spend the money or ruminate on, on how much I had. It just sort of appeared. And I was so in delivery and in service mm. that I, I didn't really have the time to think about it. I just knew that I'd built something big that, um, I was learning how to sustain and that I still had lots of clients knocking on my door and I needed to keep finding ways to be able to support more people. Um, I think that if I'd sat and thought about it a lot, it would have been pretty confronting. <laughs> um, but what I do know is that every time I grew, every time I had a bigger launch, for example, I remember the first time I had hundred K month, I think I had 120 K month. And I just really struggled with holding that amount of money. And I remember having just so many up-level things come up and fears and what if it goes away? And you no, know, I've processed all of that at every stage. And it's great because it means that I can support clients with it. But ultimately, the biggest thing that I would say is all of that has come up for me every time. I've not made it wrong. I've just mm -hmm. allowed myself to sit with it and recognize like, of course, this is coming up for you because you've just not been here before. Like this is just a new reality. And as I say, you know, so many times and you've heard me speak to so many times, I just kind of allow myself to recalibrate of like, this is my new normal now. And so just allow myself to really sit in that. Like, this is my new normal. This is my reality now. 
what does this look like? Like I'm safe. I'm okay. Because our, our inner critic just needs to know that we're safe in that. No one's taking this away from me. I'm all good. I'm still me. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm not greedy. Um, and really just anchoring into the celebration of that and, and being in that celebration, trusting and knowing that this has been a result of me showing up in service for others. I'm worthy of it. Um, so just, just allowing myself to recalibrate in every moment and, um, like a re-anchor essentially. So lots of mindset work, lots of, lots of not making any big decisions. Like I don't ever think I've said this publicly, but there were a couple of years there where um, I actually never said this publicly, where there were a couple of years where I had just 300,000 cash sitting in my business bank account because it was just money that came in quickly and I didn't really know what to do with it. And so I just decided that the best thing to do was to just not make any rash decisions because I didn't need to. You know, I just allowed myself to kind of recalibrate to, to that amount of money. Um, and I think that was really helpful to do that. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you for, for sharing that and being so honest yeah. with us. I, I find this really interesting and fascinating and it and it makes a whole lot of sense as well. I love I love that you didn't overthink it. I think probably that's the biggest thing that I'm really taking from this and something that I know will be really supportive for so many, me included, is 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 not allowing that to be the thing that trips you up because I think it could, like we've acknowledged, it absolutely could. Um and always having the the service be your driving factor like I often think about well because I resisted um you know making lots of money in my business as well for sure and and just thinking but actually like I'm not going to change who I am money doesn't money I believe that money just augments who you really are and who you truly are in your core and um so that's not necessarily a bad thing I'm not going to become this like rich like um greedy awful human that my mind was worried about (laughs) and I say that you know laughing through it because it's funny to say that out loud but that's actually what I was nervous about and then also that in order to help more people in order to have you know greater impact on the world greater positive impact and that beautiful ripple effect then it means that you do want to grow and scale your business. It means that you do want to support more humans and in doing so, because you're in business, you're going to create more income for yourself or more profit, more revenue, et cetera. So like, that's just like, like I loved how you said it was the byproduct. It wasn't the thing. It wasn't the thing that you led with. Exactly right. Exactly right. My goals were always about my why first and foremost, and money being part of that. Um, but I, I, once I got beyond 300 K, I allowed myself to own it. So I still Mm. really allowed myself to be like, no, I want this and I'm allowed to have more and I deserve to have more. And so I always went into launches being like, how much money am I making here? Like how many people am I bringing in? What does this look like? Um, knowing that I could totally hold both. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. And you always, I would imagine always have some kind of income goal around launches or, or a year type of goal. Um, I know that's something that you've definitely recommended to us. So I'm assuming that you do as well. As well. Do you know what? Yes. And it's funny because I'm going into a season right now where I don't know if I'll have one next year mm. and I'm just allowing myself to really play with what that looks like. I've 
I hit a point in my business at the moment where growth is starting to look different. Yeah. You know, it's, it's always been, the growth thing has been very linear for me. I, I doubled my revenue almost year on year since I first started and the season I'm in at the moment, my goals, plans, dreams over the coming years, it's not necessarily that that doubling my growth is the way that I want to grow in my business. And so I'm really allowing myself to play with that because I don't necessarily have the answers around what that looks like yet, but it's like, well, if growth is not more money, what does it look like? Like what does growth look like? Because growth is one of my highest values. And that's really fun to play with. Like is growth actually having more clients stay with me longer? That's, that's a success metric or is growth having less programs, but you know, higher price point over time or, you know, like what does that look like? So that's something that I'm playing with a lot because again, you don't really see a lot of people talking about that. And I think that that's a really fun edge for me to, to stretch into next. Yeah, definitely. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. It's it's like defining your version of success and and what that looks like in different seasons and stages. And yes, you're so right. I love that. Um, Beautiful, maybe some food for thought or inspiration for other people to think about it in that way as well. Yeah. I hope so. I love it. So what, what are some of the, the misconceptions that you think or maybe have experienced or seen or witnessed or whatever in yeah, scaling to multi-six and seven figures in business? I think it's so easy to put people on a pedestal who have done it when you haven't yet done it, but you desire it. And it's so wrong to do that because what you're doing is you're creating like an otherness, a, a sense of other between you and that person. And, and it's really our inner critic's way of being like, no, I can't possibly create that. They have this, or they've done this, or they're more successful, or they're more whatever, you know, that there's a reason why they've created that. And I haven't. And so anyone who is listening and feels that in any way, and I think we've all done that with other people to a certain extent, I I certainly have. I'd really encourage you to check yourself around that because any misconception that you might have around it being really easy, like I've had people say to me, oh, it was just really easy for you. And I'm like, ah, was it though? Or did I just make it look easy? Because that's just kind of my personality. Of I accidentally just make it look easy because I'm really bright and positive and optimistic and, you know, yeah. things could be burning. And I'm like, okay, let's just work this out. Um, and so I, I think that that's a really important thing to, to know there is that for everyone that you know, and, and I've had the privilege now of working with so many women such as yourself who have built six multi-six figure, seven figure businesses that there's always struggles. There's always stuff going on. Like there's always the both end, but I don't believe that any, there's an obligation for anyone to have to share all of it. You know, I, I certainly share, um, I wouldn't say that my Instagrams are highlights real. I share both, but that doesn't mean I share everything, you know, Mm. contractually, I can't, like, I'm not going to share, you know, the challenges I'm holding my clients through day to day or, you know, yucky stuff that might come up with team or how, like, I'm not going to share those things, you know? Yeah. So I think it's just really useful in terms of misconceptions, just to remember that there's so much that goes into building a business. And this might be something that sounds a little controversial, but I actually don't believe that a lot of people who say they want the six figure or multi six figure success are willing to do what it takes to have that kind of success. 
because mm. to have a business of that size, to, to hold a business of that size, and you know this so well, Evie, and you're such an amazing example of someone who's like, I'm here to hold it all. Like you've got to hold it all. So if you know that you want a multi-six or a seven-figure business, you're also, as a coach, for example, what you're also saying is, I'm willing to have challenging clients sometimes. I'm willing to have hard conversations. I'm willing to have team stuff. I'm willing to have days where I want to throw in the towel because all those things are going to happen for you when you're holding this size of business. And so when, when people say, I really want this, I really want to create this. A lot of the time they're looking at, you know, the, the success version of, I want lots of money. I want lots of clients. I want people talking about me being this like amazing coach, but actually the reality of that is far less glamorous. Yes, It's it's more about like showing up every single day, like being rock solid for your people, being somebody who is willing to be in the trenches and the mud again and again and again. Um, And so those, those are really the biggest misconceptions. Like don't put people on a pedestal and um, pedestal. I always say that weirdly. Um, and also, you know, know that if you want this level of success, you've got to want all of it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I couldn't agree more in my own coaching business, but also in Brooklyn flowers, our, our million dollar yeah. business as well. Like you're so right. I think it can appear really glamorous and easy quote unquote, um, from the outside, although easy for you or whatever it might be, but People don't always see behind the scenes and what it takes that you've, you know, you know, the love, the passion, the time, the energy that you've put in time and time again, like you say, in the mud as well. I couldn't agree more with you there. That's so true. Yeah. Yes. hundred percent. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. And, and the pedestal analogy, you're so right. Yeah. Cause we're just, yeah, you are separating yourself from it. You're so right there. And actually, but who's to say that, why, like, why can't you? Yes. <laughs> and like, what's different about, you know, yeah, there's nothing like different as, as a, in a bad way um, that you can't then create or embody or learn or whatever it might be to do that as well. And I also think, I think some people say that they want that kind of level of, of success, let's just say, Um but maybe like, do they actually want that level of success? I don't know. I think I'm, I'm witnessing that a little bit more as well. Um, yes. And just coming back to like really reminding people, like, what is your version of success? Even though we talk a lot online about, you know, creating the six figure, multi six, seven figure business, whatever, because that is a goal for a lot of people, but it doesn't necessarily have to be your goal or your version of success. And maybe, yeah, maybe that's going to look different for you personally or different seasons of your life. Um, yeah, it's not necessarily like the be all and end all, or you're not successful if you don't want that thing or don't achieve that thing. I would much rather someone be honest about what they truly want. You know, like I, yeah. we're, we're refining a process at the moment. We've just started with our next round of masterminders and we're refining a process at the moment where basically I'm, I'm asking people what their goals are and then kind of mirroring back what their level of commitment needs to be to reach that goal. So if someone mm-hmm. says to me, you know, I want 50K months, but they're only willing to post on Instagram three times a week and they're currently at 10K months, it's like, you know what, it's actually going to require more than that. 
Yeah, like it's actually going to require more. Um, and just really being open about those conversations from the get go of like what it requires. Um, yeah. because I would much rather someone own like, well, I'm not willing to commit at that level, uh, rather than kind of going after it and being like, oh my gosh, I, I'm not creating it. And it's like, well, are you truly willing to commit at that level? Like, let's be real about this. Yeah. So true. That's really cool. I, I, yeah, I like that. Um, you're so right. Cause we, I think we just have this elusive goal and we're like, Oh, that sounds amazing. But then what does it actually take to get there? <laughs> yeah. So speaking of that, would love to, to know what do you attribute your success to? Like, what do you think are some of the key things? Mm, yes. Um, that tenacity that I spoke about before, I yeah. really see that. And, and when I'm answering this question, I'm answering it, obviously looking at my own journey, but also thinking about the clients that I've worked with because I see traits. I can almost spot the X factor in new clients now when they come in, I'm like, oh, I can see based on, you know, questionnaires and how they show up when, you know, where they're at and, and how much they want it. Um, and so that tenacity is so important, so important because it, there needs to be a strength within you to get you through hard days, hard times, whatever else, you know, if you go on a discover your first discovery call and you don't convert that client and that makes you want to quit because you think you've not got what it takes, like it's going to require more tenacity than that because those things will happen. Um, it also, I would say passion and commitment to just love of my craft and, and love of what I do. And again, you spoke to this so beautifully in our last podcast episode, just, just an hour ago, um, <laughs> over on my podcast, um, which will be out soon or maybe out now. Um, and I, I think that, um, like really knowing what it is that you want to create in the world and the difference that you're wanting to make that again, is something that's going to get you through the hard days, the, the challenging, um, yeah, the challenging times. I also think that my, um, my ability to work hard when I've needed to has really supported me. It's kind of a joke in our family, like the swift work ethic. My brother and I both just like really know how to get shit done as to my parents. <laughs> and my husband just laughs about it so much. It's like a proper joke. Like the swift work ethic is just hilarious um, I love because it. it's not always a positive thing, but it's mm -hmm. really served me in the early years of my business. And then I yeah. really had to move through it in the later years um, because I had to realize like what got me here won't get me you know, to, to the next goals, but in those early years, it's everything. Um, and I would also then just finish by saying, I think that the final thing has really been my mindset and my commitment to always, um, always finding a way. Like I, I, people will say to me so often, like your mindset is just amazing. You've got a really positive outlook on everything. And I really do trust and believe that, um, I, I get to choose again and again and again. And so I'll often kind of have the thought loop with myself of like, what's the belief that serves me in this moment? Like, what is that? Let's decide what that is. And we're adopting and rolling with that. Like that's the thing mm. that we're, we're going to anchor into here. 
Such a good question. Love it. Absolutely. So, so beautiful. Thank you for sharing all of that. And my last question was more around like some of those commonalities or traits that you've seen in other successful entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. knowing that you've supported so many beautiful humans through this. Is there anything you would add there or um, are those kind of the common ones that you see in yourself as well? I think everything that I've just spoken to are the things that that are most important. If I was going to add anything, it would probably just be more around like the follow through. So Mm. being somebody who does what they say they're going to do, you know, clients who I work with, and again, you're just such a beautiful example of this. So we set a strategy, you go and make it happen. Or, you know, we talk about a mindset shift. You have those affirmations like, up on your laptop or like in your journal the next day and you're like voice memoing me the next day with insights that you've had around it or you know and this doesn't mean that you always need to to be in that energy and I'm I'm certainly not always in that energy with my coach but just knowing that you're following through on on what it is like that that implementation yeah. is so important because obviously without implementation and doing the things we're not going to be able to build the business we want to and and I think that it's also super useful to know that everything I've shared is around the energy and the commitment and the why behind doing what you're doing and it's less about skills marketing can be taught strategy, like all of that can be taught. You've just got to have that desire and that willingness to, to go all in. Um, and when you have that, that's going to be the anchor point that really supports you. You've got to learn how to love marketing as well. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Yes. Actually, interesting side note. That's actually how we base on uh, Sorry, we base our hiring process on that same concept when we are hiring for our other business for Brooklyn Flowers because we yes. know that we can teach anyone anything. But if you don't have those, yeah, those core internal things, the more of the personality stuff, then yeah, it's that like that's most important, right? <laughs> hundred percent. So, so insanely important. Yeah, interesting. So good. Okay, let's move into a couple of rapid five questions before okay. we close out. But before we do, was there anything else you wanted to share on your journey or any misconceptions or learnings, lessons? No, I love that. I think you ask great questions. So Perfect. yeah, so good. Okay. So what's been one of your biggest lessons in business to date? Uh don't take things personally. Oh, yes. What's one piece of advice you'd tell someone in the early stages of their business? Show up, show up, show up. (laughs) So good. And if there was one thing, one message or one piece of wisdom that you'd like to impart with the world and the lives that you'd touched, what would it be? Find out what sets your soul on fire and go after that every waking moment of your life. Oh goosebumps beautiful 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 and lastly where can the listeners find you to come hang out and say hi so good and I just realized like 10 minutes ago that I didn't ask you 
this question on my podcast before, so I'm going to put it in the show notes. I just had a like, oh my goodness, I forgot to ask Amy that. Um, totally fine. I would love for you to jump on over, um, come on over to DMs on Instagram and let me know what you loved most about this episode. That's always so useful. Um, so I'm at Ellie H Swift there. I hang out on Instagram a lot. Um, I'm also shine online with Ellie Swift in Facebook group and podcast. So if you're a podcast listener, um, Evie and I've just recorded an amazing episode, which will either be out already or out very soon. So jump on over to shine online with Ellie Swift and listen to that. You're going to love it. Yes, definitely go. That was such a good combo. We'll link all of that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for your love, your time, your wisdom. I have loved this conversation. It's been really insightful and um, so beautiful to witness it from from lots of different angles, your journey, <laughs> being a client, yeah. but also from the outsides, but also now getting to ask you some of those more intimate details around your journey and lessons. So thank you so much for sharing so beautifully. My pleasure. I loved it so much. So, so good. Thanks, Evie. Thank you. Wasn't that epic? For all of the details and things we talked about in today's show, you can check them out in the show notes and that's over at evelynkelly.co.nz forward slash podcast. And if you can think of anyone who would really benefit from this episode, then please share it with them. And while you're there, I would be so grateful if you could leave me a five-star review in iTunes so that we can get this podcast out to even more humans and create a ripple effect throughout the world.